The Adam Crowley Show. I'm much better than a fan, and I'm not as much of a jackass as On ESPN Pittsburgh. And the iHeartRadio app. $2.2 million transferred in just cash. What are you saying, Tom? You're saying no? Billion dollars. What did I say? Million dollars. Oh, hell no. It was billion. $2.2 billion transferred in just cash. That is a large detail. Here's the plan. We get the warhead and we hold the world ransom for $1 million. Doug Kazarian of ESPN coming up in a few moments to tell us everything we need to know about sports gambling being legalized on a state-by-state basis. Before we get to that, though, shut the hell up, I told you so, Pirates fans. I'm happy they won today. They've now won 7 out of 8, 8 out of 10. They are in first place in the National League Central. But every time the Pirates win, you have the told-you-so people or the enjoy-it people. And you know what's going to make me enjoy it more? You shutting the bleep up. Seriously, Chris Mack from the station across the street tweeted, Is this team for real? They're on a 92-win pace, just hitting the bleep out of the ball. And they're just a game out of first. Enjoy it. Whether it lasts another week or another four and a half months, just enjoy it. End quote. Do we have to ask that question every time the Pirates win a game? They're playing the worst teams in baseball for a week and a half here. Every time they beat the White Sox, do we have to ask if they're for real? How about when they beat the Padres? How about when they beat the Reds? If you want to enjoy the process, then you shouldn't even be asking whether or not this team's for real, right? You should just be enjoying it. I want the Pirates to win. Of course I do. I want all of Pittsburgh's teams to win. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to say... Oh, yeah, they're the greatest thing that I've ever seen in baseball form. I'm not going to buy in hook, line, and sinker. That's not what I'm supposed to do as a radio host. I'm supposed to think about things critically, form an opinion, and then project that opinion. I'm not supposed to just say, oh, they're fine, they're good. And then just not question or not whether or not they'll be there at the end of the season. If the Steelers start out great, I'm not going to proclaim them Super Bowl champions. If the Steelers start out poorly, I'm not going to write them off. I critically analyze. The same thing went for the Penguins this year. When they started out terribly, I said they're going to make the playoffs, probably. But they're not a perfect hockey club. And then we saw that all come to fruition. The Pirates have played 42 games. To ask whether they're real or not is a question that nobody can answer. To tell me to enjoy it while asking that question does seem contradictory. But I've got some analysis for you here. Start of the day, the Pirates were 13th in the league in ERA. They were 15th in quality starts. That tells me they're an average pitching staff. Trevor Williams is pitching over his head with a 2.7 ERA. He's a good pitcher. He ain't that good. Maybe Tyon makes up for the dip by getting better, but maybe not. Is Musgrove the answer? I don't know. He had an ERA over 6 for the Astros last year in the rotation. Is it Kingham? I think he's going to be great, but he just got blown to bleep up in double A. Is Cervelli going to be healthy? Even if he is now, he's not played more than 130 games ever in a season in his career and not really played more than 100 other than that. Can he play well all season long? Can Dickerson keep this up? Point is, for a team that's on a 95 or whatever win pace, there's a lot of questions. Questions that I'm still going to ask. I'm going to enjoy the ride, but I'm still going to look at it critically. But the is this team for real question has a lot of answers. But when the Pirates apologists tell me to enjoy the ride, I sure hope that they mean I should enjoy it while I'm also breaking it down. 
That's the way my mind works. That's what I'm going to do. More on that with Tim Benz coming up in about 15 minutes. Right now, though, we hear from Doug Kazarian from ESPN.com. Doug, thanks for coming on with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Doug, now this allows states to allow sports betting, correct? So it's not like you can run out and place a legal bet now, right? Correct, correct, unless you're in Nevada. So what this means is the federal ban from the early 1990s was so deeply flawed that it was unanimously vetoed, basically, as unconstitutional. Now, officially it was 6-3 to three or 7-2, to two, but all nine justices had issues with PASPA, which was the federal ban. So that thing is gone. Now every state is allowed to move forward how it chooses to. And that it means if you want to pass state legislation, a state law, that your state wants to have sports betting, you can. So it's going to vary from state to state how this is all set up, right? Like if I were to go to Delaware, I could walk into a gas station and buy a case of beer, but I can't do that here in Pennsylvania. i got to go to a state store. Well said. Every state has different laws. Now, there's some federal laws in this world, obviously, but then there's some state laws like the driving, you know, the DMV, things like that. Like you said, um, you know, a handful of years ago, Connecticut, you couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. You had to go drive across the state border. And in Rhode Island, you had to drive to New Hampshire and things like that. So every state's different with certain laws. This is now a state issue. How close is Pennsylvania to getting in line behind New Jersey? Obviously, New Jersey's ahead of the curve here. Right. So while this was being processed, so to speak, in terms of, um, you know, like the like while, while the while the U.S. Supreme Court was discussing all this, it was also other states were moving forward with their own legislation, or at least introducing bills. So once this happened, you know, not everyone's starting from ground zero. Uh, New Jersey, as you just alluded to, is like ready. They've already passed state law, so like they're hoping by the NBA finals they'll be able to take bets in Atlantic City. Now, other states, like the next tier, is like West Virginia, Mississippi, Connecticut, maybe New York, Delaware. But New Jersey sort of the third tier. and Excuse me, uh, Philadelphia is like the third tier. And so they're headed down that path. But, you know, sometimes politicians have re-election campaigns and there's other variables that get presented. So nothing is guaranteed. And we still have to figure out how it's going to be processed and how it's going to be um you know, who's going to be booking the bets, things like that. Doug Kazarian joins us here from ESPN, host of the Behind the Bets podcast. Why is our country so far behind the rest of the world on all this, Doug? You know, it's a great question. I, I think it's the stigma. I think it's the stigma of betting and how it's, oh, degenerate behavior. And also it was just, well, the federal ban, right? The federal ban, no one thought to challenge it. And it wasn't a big deal because so many people bet illegally, right? We have the offshore world. And there's the local bookie concept. I mean, some estimates say as much as $400 billion is bet illegally in the United States in the offshore or local bookie world. So there wasn't really a pressing need to go after it because they didn't feel it was necessary. But New Jersey wanted to revitalize Atlantic City and some horse tracks, so they uh, took it upon themselves and challenged the federal ban. Doug, how are the leagues going to factor in here? Great question. We're going to find out. So what they initially petitioned was a federal law for sports betting because they said, let's do it on a federal level. Let's get a slice of the pie. And so what they said to compensate them, they wanted a 1% integrity fee, 
well, just the name itself rubbed sports betting world a little bit off because that implies that it's not above board now and we need more money to make sure there's integrity in this. Like the sports betting world doesn't need the leagues, right? They just need a television monitor and a box score. They don't really need their permission to go have this stuff be bet on, right? They just put up a number and you can do whatever you want, but we don't need your permission. But um, right now in Nevada, they pay a 0.25% federal excise tax. And what that means is, you know, it goes to a certain, like a handling fee, if you will. And so this, the integrity fee name is silly, and they're probably going to do a, come up with a new name. And what they also want to do is just say, hey, give us our cut, and then there'll be some cooperation to a certain extent, because what that'll do is that'll maybe open up the doors where these sports books can advertise during an NFL broadcast or a baseball broadcast, and then also maybe advertise on jerseys and things along those lines. So there is a incentive for them to give up some of their slice of the pie, but they don't have to. Don't think for one second they need to call it an integrity fee, and they will not be paying as much as 1% either. How prepared have the leagues been for this day? We saw different kinds of statements released from each of the leagues. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the NBA and Major League Baseball has been ahead of the curve for sure, and they were trying to get it to the federal approval. You know, So we talked about the federal ban being removed, and it becomes a state law. Well, the NBA definitely just wished it was, forget the states, just make it legal federally and control it and have the leagues have more money. So I guess they were behind on that regard, so they've been playing catch-up, but they've been at least doing it intelligently alongside Major League Baseball, unlike NFL. NFL is still dragging their feet, but the NFL operates really awkwardly. Like It may become legal in every state, and they still don't acknowledge it on their broadcasts or whatever. We're limited on sports center. We can't say Patriots. We have to say New England when discussing a point spread, things like that. Wow. Uh, Doug uh, Kazarian from ESPN, host of Behind the Bets podcast, joins us here now uh, on the Crowley Show. Uh, I know that if you go overseas, you can place bets on Premier League games right there at the stadiums, at some booths. I guess it's hard to say, but how far away do you think we'd be from that happening? Is that a possibility? Absolutely. It's already happening when the NFL goes over to London, right? They already goes down at Wembley Stadium. And Vegas Golden Knights, or in the Western Conference Final, right? We all know about that. Fans are betting the game on the way to the game, and they're betting in the game at the stadium with their apps. So has there been any, like, destructive behavior because of that? Have we had issues in the NFL when we go to London? When the NBA went there, Sixers actually played there against the Celtics. They were doing it there as well. Like, it's part of the culture. Like, basically, what people need to realize, everyone sees this as a financial thing, the betting. No, sports betting is entertainment. Just like when you go to the blackjack table, you may not walk away with anything of tangible uh, representation, but you have an experience. We pay for alcohol for an experience. We don't keep the beer bottles, right? You're paying (laughs) for the experience and having a little excitement while watching a game beyond the excitement of the actual game itself. It's the same concept, right? I've always said it's like wine, right? Wine has different (laughs) costs, right? You have the box of wine, and then you have the high-end stuff. And the people who go to the vineyard, they visit the vineyard, they talk about it, they read books, they talk about the different grapes and all this other stuff, and they're called connoisseurs. But people who do the same thing with betting and, you know, talk about the different dollar figures and all the background and the and travel to games, they're degenerates. I don't know. Well, that's interesting to me. Uh, will the odds change with more inexperienced bettors perhaps joining the marketplace? Well, then that's what it is. It's a marketplace. I'm glad you used that word because a lot of people – especially when I lived in Vegas, they would just talk about, like, yeah, I sold some at three and a half, bought some at four and a half. 
they totally treat it like commodities and the value of a half point here and there, depending on the sport and whatever it may be. There's so much uh, nuance with this stuff that it is. Um, there's some variance with this commodity. I mean, we all think of the stock exchange, right? There's a stock exchange. Well, just think about if every casino had a different stock exchange. So like Apple was sold at a different price at different casinos. And that's what makes it so fascinating. And then there are guys that I know who are arbitrage bettors or derivative traders for sports betting. That's what makes it so intriguing to me. Like my econ background is stimulated on that front. And that's what I love. So we'll see. Like if the Eagles are seven point favorites in Vegas, but in Pennsylvania, they're like, you know, 10, then we might have lopsided action and they want to protect themselves. A lot of times these owners, excuse me, these odds makers in Vegas, their job title is not always odds maker or sportsbook director. Sometimes it's manager of risk because it is. They're managing their liability and their risk and their position because some guy like Floyd Mayweather may come in and bet a million dollars or whatever. They need to adjust their odds accordingly because they have to, they know what their target rate and target hold percentage is for the long term. So they are very careful and they manage their risk or liability. So when you have these hometown teams like the Golden Knights, People are betting, the fans are betting the Golden Knights 15 to 1 ratio compared to their opponent at these home games. So the, the, the books have been getting buried all year, but they can only do so much with the numbers. So they're just absorbing that rush. It's very uncharted territory in Vegas. And that obviously is a parallel to when the gambling and sports betting becomes uh, legalized statewide. And all these other states, they're, they're going to experience that with their home teams. Doug, awesome stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. Uh, thank you. You got it, guys. It was, it was a pleasure to be on. Hey, take care. You too. There he goes. That's Doug Kazarian from ESPN. Coming up next, Tim Benz to talk about the Pirates and whether or not they're for real. And the Penguins and whether or not they're going to trade Crystal Tang. It's Crowley's show. We alarm our houses and we alarm our cars. But when it comes to your personal information, it can be tough to know when something isn't right. That's where Discover Card can help. Now, we'll send you an alert if we find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And this service is free for card members. Just sign up online. It's our way of looking out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. How many of those do you think you could fit in your mouth, Tom? Come again? Yeah. Come again? <laughs> no, seriously, what'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> no, come again, what'd you say? I don't think he could do it that many times. Uh, why aren't you coming again? Tomorrow on the show at this time, I will be drinking beer from Spoonwood, and I could not be more excited about that. It is a local brewery. We will be showcasing local breweries throughout the summer on Thursday Thursdays. Hell, are we doing it past the summer? I guess we'll see how it goes, but I don't see any reason why we shouldn't keep drinking beer on Thursdays in the 6 o'clock hour. Can't wait for that. There's also this other thing that is plaguing... The entirety of the internet, and that's whether or not the sound that you're about to hear sounds like Laurel or Yanni. 
Laurel. Laurel. To me, it's been Laurel every freaking time. Laurel. But for Brian, it's vacillated between Yanni and Laurel. I've heard both. I really have. It's freaking me the hell out, too. Tom, have you heard both? I still have only heard Laurel. Wonder what Tim Benz thinks about the Laurie versus... Laurel. I can't say it. Tim, what do you think about this whole sound thing? Laurel. What is this thing? This is... Uh, I, I'm aware of it, kind of. This is sort of the audio version of is the dress blue? Exactly. Or is it yellow and gold? Is that what it is? Yes. All right, when I listened to you guys playing it on Twitter, when you and Brian got into your cheese cheese fight, I thought it was Yanny. Yes. And then when I just heard it now bouncing back, it sounds clearly like Laurel. Laurel. I don't understand it, man. Tim, I think they're messing with me in some way, seriously. Like, I think they're switching them out or something like that. I think they are, too. What I just heard now bouncing back from commercial break sounds nothing like what I had heard on your guys' cheese teas. It sounds like a different drop-in. I still have at no point heard Yanny, so I'm waiting for that moment that you guys are having right now where you've heard it differently. I can't wait, man. I'm excited about it. I'm excited well, about Yanny. I know the stupid blue dress thing. I'm colorblind, so I saw neither. That's so good. So I fell into an entirely different category. What are you seeing with this Pirates team, Tim? Are, are you saying, hey, you should enjoy the ride, or are you healthy? Are you on team healthy skepticism? Because that's the team I'm on. I don't know how you're not enjoying the ride. Like, well, first of all, why are those mutually exclusive? They seem to be, though. As far as the people that I've come across on Twitter, uh, the people who are saying, oh, enjoy it, it's great, man, it's awesome, are also the people who are lauding the front office. I'm having fun watching the team be good, but all the people who are out there taking victory laps right now because, oh, the team is better than all the idiots thought, well, they can go to hell. I'm enjoying the ride, but I'm also skeptical. You know, it's at least fun to throw the game on in the eighth inning and see them have a chance to win, which I didn't think I'd see much of at all this season. I do that. I'm not emotionally invested because I'm skeptical. Um, I want to see where they are at the trade deadline and what they do about it. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, I'm bold. I'm enjoying the ride. Sure, because I'm playing better baseball than I ever could have thought. But I'm entirely skeptical that, A, it's going to last, and, B, if they are close, that they'll do anything to make themselves better as opposed to even maybe making themselves worse, which I wouldn't rule out, too, by the way. So I think you're. I mean, that to me, that's not even different than the Steelers. Like I enjoyed a 13-3 ride last year, but I was skeptical they were ever going to beat the Patriots, and they didn't even get that far. So it's just sort of a different level of skepticism and how much you enjoy things in the process. Yeah, I like watching the Pirates right now because they are winning games. But like you said, the deadline to me is whenever I could buy in hook, line, and sinker. Uh, if they were to do something to improve the club or not do something to make the club worse. My prediction that I made in the first segment, and because it's radio, it will be out there forever, is the Pirates are going to be within three games of the second wild card, and they're going to trade Corey Dickerson because he's having the best season of his career. (laughs) Now, that is possible, and uh, the other thing about it is to be within, well, I don't know, the the, the trends, the projections suggest is not going to be the case, but you know, to be within three games of the wild card last year, you would have been, what, one game above 500 by season's end? Right. Because right? didn't the Twins get in as 85? So that's one of those deals for Honey to say, all right, well, we're in it, but we're not that good, so we're going to move for the future. So it's, what you're saying is entirely possible, yes. Yes, if not probable. And I think that we're going to hear a similar refrain that we heard last year, which is, well, if you guys had showed up to the baseball games, maybe we'd have a little extra cash to throw around. Oh, yeah, they'll put it on us. No doubt, no doubt about it. It'll be, it'll be on our plate. 
And that's part of the reason why I don't get emotionally involved. You know, to go back to your original point, you know, sometimes, like, you can watch uh, Narcos or, you know, like one of these series that's on, um, uh, like, Netflix or something. Like, you can watch each individual episode, and yet by the time the season ends, you know it's going to suck. You know, when the series ends, it's going to have a crappy ending. But that's kind of where I am now. I'm watching each individual episode and saying, okay, this is pretty good but with absolutely no expectations that I'm going to leave satisfied at the end. Tim, I think if the Pirates go 7-2 and two over this stretch, and they've already gone 2-0, and oh, then they're going to be in the wild card hunt because, well, just by default, you're going to be. If you're right around 500, like you mentioned, you'll be in it. Uh, I think, though, that anything less than 6-3 and three over this stretch would make me start to believe they're a fraud. They're doing a good job of beating up on the bad teams. Right. The schedule's been very much in their favor. Let's keep that in mind. And I also know, going back to the skepticism angle, that I saw this team in 2012 be 16 games above 500 in August and then find a way to finish below 500. So uh, falling off a cliff is entirely possible in Pittsburgh. Tim Benz, Breakfast with Benz from the trip, joins us here on the Crowley Show. You think the Penguins are trying to entice some offers on Chris Letang, don't you? Yeah, I thought that was... Kevin Colbert-esque what Jim Rutherford did when he spoke to The Athletic, uh, basically saying, I'm not trying to trade Chris Letang until the Oakland Raiders offer me a third-round draft choice for him. Um, you know, that's exactly what Colbert did. We're not trading Martavis. We're not trading Martavis. I dare you to make a trade for Martavis Bryant. Okay, third-rounder, uh, let's get it done. That's basically what I think Jim Rutherford is doing. Now, it's going to be harder to do because there's only, what, 12 teams you can do it with. And those teams are going to have to offer more than a third-round pick. But the premise of what the general manager is doing is exactly the same. Uh, blow my doors off, and maybe I'll make the move. I might not, but I'm daring you to try to make me. Do you think it's a good move for the Penguins if they were to move him? No, because I want to see what he can do for one more year. Uh, if you don't have a Chris Letang and you lose Justin Schultz for any stretch of time, I don't know what you do. Um, one way or another, Adam, in fact, this is my piece for Breakfast Bench tomorrow, is almost a follow-up on that Rutherford piece today. And it is when Rutherford says, you know, this team is going to look different, but I don't know if I'm going to do anything drastic. How do you do one without the other? Uh, I don't know how you make a couple, quote, little moves here and there. Uh, they've got $72 million committed already for next season before you get to the RFA contracts. So that does sound decent because they could have $8 to $10 million worth of cap space, but those RFA moves, if they were to retain most of those guys, would blow them through the upper limits of those projections. So, you know, trading Kessel, uh, punting on the Broussard deal and getting pennies in the dollar for him, trading with Tang, those would be drastic moves. I think Penguins fans, with their love affair and their affinity for guys like Lutz and Haglin and Sherry, would also see trades of those guys as being drastic. But it's not, because how many of those guys are going to be in your top six and forwards next year, right. particularly if they're tinkering with the idea of making Broussard a wing and they're pledging a spot to Daniel Strong already? You're talking about trading third and fourth liners then. That's not drastic to me. And I think we have to wrap our brains around that. Even if it's three or four of those guys, um, that's not as drastic as it's going to feel. Tim Benz joining us here on the Crowley Show. Tim, you wrote about gambling uh, on Breakfast with Benz this morning, among other things, of course, as always. Uh, I find it interesting what's going to happen to the gambling marketplace, if you will, 
whenever all the money that comes in in Pittsburgh on a Steelers Sunday is going to come in on the Steelers. Because uh, Joe from Blowonox ain't betting on no brownies. Right, exactly. And here's what I think, though, Adam. Uh, Joe from Blowonox doesn't bet on the brownies now anyway. <laughs> That's true. I, I think I've seen some stories that are saying, well, like in Pittsburgh, you're going to have to spend $150 to win 100 I don't think that's going to be the case. I actually think you're going to see less of an effect in Pittsburgh than you are in other markets. And the analogy that I used was, let's say the Carolina Panthers are playing against the Atlanta Falcons at home, right? So the Panthers are a three-point favorite in Vegas or your local offshore account that you get online, right? So in Carolina, because nearly 100% of the action in Charlotte will be on the Panthers, well, maybe that line gets booted out to four or five points. But here in Pittsburgh, I don't think you'll see the line move all that dramatically because they've got such a huge national fan base anyway. The Vegas Lions in advance often pad their own projections for point spread because they know so much of the money is going to come in on the Steelers in advance. So I actually think if the Steelers are a seven-point favorite against the Browns at home in Vegas, that line might only be seven and a half or eight tops here in Pittsburgh because – I think the Vegas bookmakers and the offshore bookmakers know that most of their money is going to come in on the Steelers anyway. You might not see that sizable of a difference on the local front at the Rivers as you do to Caesars versus what you might see in other NFL marketplaces. Tim, this is purely speculative, but how many people do you think that don't bet currently are going to dabble in betting once it becomes totally legal? I think you'll see a lot more, and I don't think any of them are going to bet anything of consequence. Like, you're going to see Joe from Blonox's girlfriend throw $25 down on the Steelers to win 22. Like, that's what you're going to see. You're, you're going to see some guy park at the rivers, walk through the rivers, decide to make a $25 bet that otherwise maybe he wouldn't because he doesn't bother to have an online account. And that's going to add up. You're going to see more people do it, but I don't think you're going to see huge dollars come in. Um, when it comes to the gambling marketplace to watch, and this is what some of the real big thinkers on the gambling front are paying attention to is, like we just talked about in that Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers analogy, where the big money might come in uh, is more on a national level where you want to where you see players try to take advantage of the line. Like you'll see somebody throw a $5,000 bet down um, out of market or through someone here uh, in Atlanta uh, because they've got minus or they've got plus five on the Panther game in Charlotte because they went to do it. Like you'll find somebody be a mule for somebody who's going to win a big ticket somewhere. Like that's the X factor I think when it comes to actual raw dollars coming in. Tim, you're smarter than me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you, no, you do. You do. Think about it. Like you. I'm just think messing. about this. No, think about this. You, you've got a friend in Texas, right? Sure. All right. So the Redskins are playing the Cowboys, and the Redskins are a huge dog. So you make a call to your friend in Texas and say, get me in for five grand on the Redskins. Um, you know, that's, I can't remember the name of Texas gamblers, but uh, it's basically hedging on the other side. Like, that's where a lot of the big money is going to come in. I can't wait to walk into Rivers Casino and blow $37 on the West Virginia Mountaineers to obliterate Youngstown State. Well, you know what? That's the more interesting thing. Don't you think what's going to happen in college? Oh, without a doubt. Like, you know, your school is chief among this. I mean, West Virginia and Marshall are part of the reason why I think this is going to be so interesting because they got tied in in advance 
Like, what if other schools see that and say, hey, we want in? Like, what happens in North Carolina? What happens with NC State and the University of North Carolina? Like, do they try to get in because there's state schools on this and they want to suck off the teeth of the gamblers, but Wake Forest and Duke are left out in the cold because they're private institutions? And tons of money is coming in on games that involve Duke because they're such high profile, such a high profile institution. Like that's going to be a nightmare. What about like Stanford, uh, the Pac-10? Uh, you know, how about Colorado and Colorado State? Does Colorado State get the same amount of the action that Colorado does, even though they play in a non-Power Five conference. Like all this stuff is going to be. This is a Pandora's box on the college level. What do you think about the assertion that maybe we'll see some fixing of games at the college level? Oh, come on. This is just ridiculous to me. This paranoia. Every game is going to be fixed now. It it is. So so let me get this straight. Jimmy No-Nose, who is so scared to death of making an illegal bet or having an offshore account on his computer, like, you won't do that now. But, but, when it becomes legal in September, he's going to make a bet, and it's going to be so big, suddenly he's going to open himself up to 12 felonies for racketeering and wire fraud and things of that sort, but to make a bet here because it's legal and fix the game? Are you kidding me? Like Nobody who's afraid to make a bet now is suddenly going to fix a game because it's legal to make the bet in the first place. That's such asinine thinking, isn't it? That's a really good point by you, Tim. You laid uh, it I mean, out pretty it's, good. It's scare tactics. It's like this is your brain. This is your brain on gambling. You know, it's just it's one of these things where it sounds good to say, and uh, everybody's got you know a little bit of a like the leagues and anti gambling advocates and uh, certain politicians that are against, but they have something to gain. They're scaring into thinking all this stuff. But I mean, come on, Adam. Let's face it. We both hosted the Steelers post game show before. When the Steelers win, they won a regular up and up game. When they lose, the game was fixed. We've been saying this for fifty years already. What difference does it make? Last thing here for you, Tim, uh, on the topic of gambling, over-under for the Pirates, 85 wins. Under. Yeah, baby. I still baby. think they go under. Yeah, baby. I love it. That's what I think, too. I uh, mean, they're off to a hot start. They're, they got off to a good quarter. Uh, you know, I'm not shifting my projection of wins that dramatically. So that will be a 10. I said they were going to win 73 to 75. You moved it up 10. No, I don't think they're necessarily going to climb 10 games better overall when they've only gotten to 40 so far. No, if you make me bet again, I'd still bet on the under on that one. Tim, awesome stuff, man. Always love reading it in the morning. Always appreciate you coming on. Did everybody remain with their shirts on during the the taping of this segment? No! Brian's not no. wearing his. See, I thought in your cheese tease today, when you guys faked the fight over Yanni, was real I fight. thought the next step, and I thought the next step in the de-evolution of that was going to be you guys pulling the shirts over each other's heads. I just didn't. I did not see Tom coming in with the worst spit take and fake chug of all time, spitting the yingling all over you guys. I didn't see that happening. Two things there. Number one, Tom was actually chugging. He's just awful at it. And number two, I had no idea he was going to spit that on me. Nobody told me it was going to happen, but they all knew. Tom knew, Brian knew, Katie knew, and it sucked for me. When I look at Tom's physique, one thing is clear to me. He needs, the, the thing that he needs more than anything else in the world is one more yingling. That much is obvious. Yes! <laughs> See you, Tim. Later. Hottest take of the day, other crap, and the three stars of the show all on the way next. CSP in Pittsburgh.
I've been happier in a long time than I was during that break. I found out that Mike Sullivan is a Guinness guy, which, I mean, that's my favorite beer. And then Tom brought in a bouncy ball today that they've been trying to keep away from me the whole show because I'm immature as all get out. And like Harry Potter in the Sorcerer's Stone, I cut that snitch yo. And I was playing with it during the break, and I had a smile from ear to ear. And ah. you, you had no idea it was happening. You just went into your happy place. And, and, like, full transparency, let's go back to before the show meeting ever started. Tom showed me that he had a bouncy ball, and I said, why do you have a Super Bowl with you? And he goes, I don't know. I just found it. I like it. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, we got to keep that away from Crowley. He's like, oh, yeah. Because two things will happen. One, Crowley will take the ball and continue to play with it. And then the second thing that will happen is Crowley will end up throwing it at one of us, which he just did during the break. Called it, should have bet on it. I slung it at Tom, and it bounced all over the room. Ricocheted like a bullet. Ricochet! That was my Doc Emmerich impression. You're You're like eight years old when you get a ball in your hand. It is the funniest thing. Like, I'm not clowning you at all. Like, it is. It's You instantly go to your happy place and just start bouncing it and throwing it up in the air. and like I don't need the internet, man. Back in middle school, all I needed was a piece of paper and a fan. And I was good. And now all I need is a bouncy ball. That's it. So- it's like a babysitter. <laughs> it it is, really give me is. the bouncy That's ball. Exactly you know what I'm going to do for yeah, the next 45 yeah. minutes. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's a two-parter here for the hottest take of the day. The first hot take is Robinson Cano got suspended, but he's on the DL, so his DL stint is going to overlap with his suspension stint. So that sucks. When he's done with the DL, when he's served his time, then the suspension should start. This is nonsense! Nonsense, I tell you! He's gonna wind up being suspended for 65 games when he should be suspended for 80, and it is a travesty. More like Robinson Canoe. Because he needed a canoe to keep his career afloat. I mean, steroids were the canoe to keep his career afloat. The second part of the hottest take of the day is this! Why wouldn't you take steroids? Why wouldn't you? Who is it? Johnny Peralta was an okay player, and then he signs a mega deal with the St. Louis Cardinals, then we find out he was on steroids. But he still signed the mega deal. A mega deal that he probably wouldn't have gotten if he didn't take steroids. Would Charlie Marte have gotten his deal if he never took steroids? Sure, you'll get suspended if they catch you. But what's 80 games worth of pay being docked when maybe you wouldn't have made anywhere near that kind of money if you didn't advance your career through steroid use. I also, and I suppose this is the third part of the hottest take of the day, I also can't stand all the vitriol and hate that comes out towards players who do use steroids. If it were up to me, I'd have steroids legal in every single sport. It doesn't mean kids should be doing it at home, but it's a way of making you stronger, quicker, and these are athletes who are out there competing for my entertainment! Now, they have lives and wives and families and all that kind of thing. If they want to make the choice to use it, make the choice to use it. But I'd be fine with all of them using it because I want to see the ball fly out of the ballpark. I want to see harder hits. I want to see the already great athleticism that's put on display be even greater. Woo! 
other crap. PGA Tour golfer Lucas Glover's wife beat him and his mom up before being thrown into a cop car. She sounds rough. Woo! Other crap. Police officers probably had to wedge her in there. Woo! Other crap. Probably going to take a lot of green to keep her out of jail. Woo! Other crap. I hear she sliced his wife. Woo! Other crap. Her mother-in-law. Woo! Other crap. Danica Patrick isn't racing in the Indy 500 for nostalgia. She wants to win, said USA Today Sports' headline. Well, winning would make it impossible for her to experience nostalgia. Woo! Other crap. The Phoenix Suns won the NBA's draft lottery. I didn't write a joke there. Woo! Other crap. I just wrote the Phoenix Suns won the draft lottery. That's just information. Woo! Other crap. Something about sunspots. I don't know. Woo! Other crap. Did you hear about this one? Two more pages of Anne Frank's diary were found that include jokes about her friend having sex with his ugly wife. Wow. Did not see that coming. Woo! Other crap. Too far? Well, you don't have to addict me. Woo! Other crap. Pitt basketball has not won a conference game in 433 days. Thought I had more there for the crap. And then I flipped over there and I didn't have it. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Matt Geitka! Yanni is, is a true talent and uh, also a part of Penguin lore in 2009 when his concert threw that schedule off in the second round against Washington. So Yanni holds the place in all of our hearts as he should. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Adam Crowley! Sure, right now they're holding the door open and the relationship seems like it's fine and everything's hunky-dory. You're feeling okay. But I'm telling you, by August, they're going to get be getting pounded by Geno Smith. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Tim This is sort of the audio version of is the dress blue exactly. or is it yellow and gold? Is that what it is? Yes. All right, when I listened to you guys playing it on Twitter when you and Brian got into your cheese cheese fight, I thought it was Yanny. Yes. And then when I just heard it now bouncing back, it sounds clearly like Lola. Stupid blue dress thing. I'm colorblind, so I saw neither. That's so good. So I fell into an entirely different category. That's a first star of the show. Yeah. I mean, Tom, what are you doing? Oh, we all got lazy today. I'm we not going to go into details. We all got lazy today. Yeah, we did because there weren't that many uh, star quality things. Wow. Mm. Bad show? No. No? Not a bad show. Okay. Not a great show? No, that was pretty good. Till the last hour. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> All right, 
one more time for everyone, Tom. Is it Laurel? Or Yanni? It's Laurel. I, I wanted you to play the sound there. Yeah, play the sound. Right, it's bad. Laurel. It's a bad show. Tomorrow on what's going to be a better show, uh, Spoonwood Brewing is going to be here uh, from 6 o'clock until 7. We got Lance Lizowski, baby. 420 talking bucks. And Josh Joey dropping a steamer. Big one. Big news about Crystal Tang. That's at 520. It's Crowley's show. Peace out, bitches. Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. Uh, never doing two interviews back-to-back again. Totally sucked the whole life out of the damn show. Uh, I mean, Kazarian was great. Benzie's always good. All right, I'll never suggest doing that No, again. I just, I all lost, right, I'm sorry. I lost I'm sorry, all my okay? confidence, uh, and I lost my rhythm. Well, we haven't had that kind of attitude in the studio for at least like almost two years now. Uh, Slow down.